0: Welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. On this week's episode, Nimburg and Brindisi win at the buzzer, Bomberg lose by double digits again, and Ostend's John Mark Wemma joins us on the program for this week's interview. Joining me for all of that over in Germany is David Hahn. Dave, how's it going this week?
1: Fantastic. Uh, we also saw some history for two teams uh, with their first ever Uh, Basketball Champions League victories, congratulations, go out to uh, Falco and uh, Tyrone. Yeah, you know, last week I think there was a lot of um, kind of blowouts or not really a lot of close games. And this week, four games decided by three points or fewer, so... Uh, getting some, and then we had our, our overtime game too. Um, first overtime game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. So we actually, I remember that first week last year. I think we even had a double overtime. So, f- you know, getting into some, uh, some extra time.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty common to see double, even triple overtimes every once in a while uh, in the Basketball Champions League. So I was pretty surprised. It took two weeks for us to get one, but we finally had an overtime game this week. And yeah, like Dave said, a very competitive week overall. Uh, a couple buzzer beaters, some last second free throws deciding some games. So we'll get into all of that. First up, it's the team of the week leading it off From Nizhny Novgorod, Brandon Brown, he had 19 points and 9 assists to lead them to a win over Bamberg. Thad McFadden from San Pablo Burgos, he had 20 points, 5 assists as Burgos smacked Anvil, put up 110 points in that game. Keith Hornsby, our guest on one of the earlier podcasts this season, he caught fire for Tarun, 28 points, 8 of 11 shooting from the 3-point line. He also added 4 rebounds. From Hapoel Jerusalem, Suleiman Braimo had a big game, 17 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists as they took down Ike. And the MVP this week, Adrian Banks from Brindisi, 31 points. Nine rebounds, three assists. He was absolutely on fire. Uh, he had made 10 of 11 shots, six of eight from the three-point line. So, Dave, that's our team of the week. But there's some guys who didn't make it who also had great cases. Uh, who, who else do you think deserves a shout-out this week uh, from an individual standpoint?
1: Well, I'll let, I'll let you go first. I'd like to hear what you who you might have.
0: Yeah, so I, I think the the big one who was left off is the big man Siobhan Thompson from Ostend. He had twenty-two points and seventeen rebounds, monster numbers from Thompson. He was nine of ten from the field. I'll I'll talk about him a little bit more uh when we when we get into that game here in a minute. Uh but I thought Thompson was just an absolute monster for Ostend as as they ended up beating Halone. So he was the the big one for me. Uh, I also thought Tayshawn Thomas was maybe the more influential player for Jerusalem than Brimo, but uh, Brimo had hit hit some clutch shots, made some great defensive plays as well. So I don't have a huge problem with that. But yeah, what did you think?
1: Yeah, you know, usually, you know, usually, you know, I think that, you know, where the BCL group uh, is pretty online and, but, you know, like, like Brown and McFadden, those were both blowouts and. Uh, we pretty much decided. Pretty, you know, early on. Brimo and you, you mentioned uh, Thomas and, and even Jacobin Brown was really big uh, down the stretch. I know he didn't. I think he only scored twelve or something like that. But um, so I, there was actually a couple of guys I think that could have been on there. Um, Ibrahim Fay Falfe uh, in the big Antwerp uh, over um, win over uh, Bandirma um 16 points 10 rebounds 3 steals 4 blocks fantastic game sultan pearl um in the uh, falco win 23 points 9 rebounds 5 assists um william hatcher even you know came off the bench in the big Derry win uh 21 points on 8 of 13 sh- shooting uh with 5 of 8 three-pointers uh 3 rebounds 2 assists 2 steals 0 turnovers of 25 minutes and the other guy my guy <laughs> I, I, you know, I love watching Denver, um Anyhow, this season, and um, I, I, I love watching Zach Hank, Hankins. Um, you know, he had fourteen points, seven, seven of ten from the field, ten rebounds, um, and you know, obviously, you know, big shot at the end, which we'll talk about later. But um, so, yeah, there, there were actually quite a few. You know, usually. Uh, you know, we're pretty spot on, but, you know, there was a lot of fantastic individual performances this week, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Hankins was another guy I, w- I was going to mention, but I figured I'd leave him for you since I know uh, he's, he's your boy. Uh, but back-to-back double-doubles. <laughs> yeah, him
1: and Banks. Yeah. Him and Banks, the two guys I kind of touted before the season as guys to watch. Um you know they there's stars that we you know that we just know from all these from all these uh, competition from this competition over past years and stuff like that but you know these are two guys that are kind of new uh, to the competition and so uh yeah Hankins was was really uh you know and he's just growing more and more confidence as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another great performance from him and Adrian Banks you mentioned it. He's our MVP this week. Uh if if you have an opportunity to go back and watch that brindisi versus bond game banks was a lot of fun to watch just launching threes in transition no hesitation at all Uh, it was it was pretty cool to watch so that's going to do it for the team of the week Uh, dave let's jump in with the group by group breakdowns first up is group a
2: cooling now
1: hornsby catch and shoot from the corner and what do you expect when you get a catch and shoot from hornsby exactly what we got a big three
0: the game I, I wanted to talk about from this group uh, is Ostend versus Halone. And we have Jean-Marc Wema on the show a little bit later, so I won't say too much here. But the thing that really stood out to me about this game was Ostend going from 64 points in week one to 101 points in this game against Halone Just a massive difference. And Wema talks about it in the interview later with Dave. About how they were just in a in a better flow of their offense, and uh, and and you know it was just a more high scoring game in general. But I thought the key was that they just kept feeding the big man Siobhan Thompson. I mentioned him twenty two points, nine of ten from the field, and this was something in the first week where he had twelve points in the first half. So he was he was pretty dominant against Strasbourg, and then they just went away from him. They they stopped giving him the ball. That wasn't the case this week. Uh, they, they just kept going to him and he kept delivering. Uh, you know, he's seven feet tall. He's got good hands, good touch around the rim. Like that guy needs the ball often and great job by Osten and their point guards and, and Wema also getting him the ball. And this was a game where Osten completely dominated in the paint. 45 to 25 rebounding advantage. They had 14 offensive rebounds and they scored 50 points in the paint compared to just 28 for Holon. So, th- this Ostend's team, they're on the playoff bubble, I think, in this group. You know, they could definitely make it, but they're going to have to fight against Turk Telecom and Manresa and Strasbourg and Torun are looking really frisky. So, uh, it- it's going to be a battle to get out of this group. But if Ostend's is going to make it, I-, I think they need to ride. Siobhan Thompson. Uh, Dave, do you have any thoughts from this game?
1: Yeah, I remember last week the thing I said about us then was just not enough offense of options and and they are doing a good job of of proving me wrong, you know Um, and you know if they do it again, if they're closer to the 101 uh, that they were this week than the sixty four than they that they were last week. Then of course, you know you have to you know you have to tip your hat to them. You know they finished strong, which is another another big thing as well that you you need to you know really look at. Last four minutes was a 13-2 run, and and really it was Thompson and uh, and McIntosh who who really kind of decided it down the stretch. Um, so you know a team that with uh, and also uh, um, you know uh, Wayma talks about it as well with the young kids. You know, you're up and down, uh, you know, that's going to be part of, of having those young players. And so, um, and you, you kind of have that in general with this team with so many young players. And so, um, if they could play closer to the 101 than the 64, then, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's it, there there could be a fight for the playoffs uh, for them for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. And Halone dropped to 0-2 now. Uh, Marcus Foster with 22 points. Ryan Thompson, 17 in the loss for Halone as they look to rebound. Next week, the other games in this group, Tarun beating Strasbourg 97 to 81 behind the hot hand of Keith Hornsby. Turk Telecom, they improved to 2 and 0 with a 64-56 win over Sasari and Manresa with a 76-70 win at home over Leet Cabellus. Dave, anything jump out to you from those other three games?
1: uh late runs by by both uh Tyrone and and uh, Turk telecom telecom had a had a 120 run um uh in the fourth quarter uh which uh, Mustafa fall had a big big part of that one um, if you're gonna go back and watch the Tyrone game at all against Strasbourg Strasbourg I would I would I would kind of just watch that first half of the fourth quarter where Tyrone just cannot miss. Um, in fact, they don't miss, uh, they, they had, they hit all three of their two point shots and all five threes. Um, and, uh, and only had the one turnover is the only possession that they, that they didn't convert, uh, a 22, five run in, um, in the first five minutes and five of the Strasbourg points were on a four point play by Gabe York. Um, so that was really the, uh, that was, you know, they just put them away, um, and you know with that three point shooting from Hornsby, um, and you know Child hit another hit one as well. Uh, Toronto only eight turnovers, um, you know this is a team that we we both kind of liked, and so this is cool to see them bounce back after you know, you know tight game last week, and just one one note on the the Menresa game, you know they're gonna have to be really happy that they beat Lee Cabellis, um with Ryan Toulson and Jordan Davis combining for they scored they scored 21 points combined but they only made nine of n- 29 shots um so but they contributed you know uh, nine rebounds eight eight assists and only three turnovers in 48 minutes combined so without the offensive production from really two of their main guys um to really pull out the to victory uh was a good note for man again this high screen with thomas brown kicks it out out. Fell-
0: All right, moving on to Group B. The game I wanted to talk about from this one was Hapoel Jerusalem beating Ike 85-78 to in Israel. These are two quarterfinalist teams from last season. They were also in the same group last year, so they had a couple big battles in the regular season. It was really fun to watch them go at it again. Uh, your guy, Tayshaun Thomas, was absolutely balling, just attacking off the dribble getting to the rim whenever he wanted. Uh, he was drawing multiple defenders and kicking it out to open shooters. Uh, he came over and doubled Keith Langford and blocked his shot in, in a key moment. He was getting rebounds and going coast to coast and throwing some nice passes. And then in the fourth quarter, busted out a few highlights, a behind-the-back dribble for an and-one in traffic, and then he dunked an alley-oop pass from Jacobin Brown in the fourth quarter. Uh, and like you mentioned, In the team of the week segment, Jacobin Brown was really clutch, not just in the fourth quarter, but also at the end of the second half. He, or at the end of the second quarter, he hit a buzzer beater over Keith Langford and then started the fourth quarter comeback for Jerusalem when they were trailing. By, I believe, seven points in the fourth quarter, uh, he hit a mid-range jumper. He threw that alley-oop to Thomas, kicked it out to Felding for a three, and then to seal the game, he had a pump fake, uh, got his defender in the air, and and had an and one, made the jumper uh, to seal the game there. So great signs for Jerusalem. James Felding scored quite a bit, uh, as as he tends to do. Brimo on the team of the week, like we mentioned. So it was a, it was a really good team effort from Jerusalem, uh, one note that uh, that I have for them to improve is just, for the love of God, do not leave Keith Langford open. Uh, I, I, I couldn't believe how much space he was getting in the fourth quarter because he's such a dangerous scorer. He's done this at the highest levels. Everybody knows that Keith Langford is an amazing scorer. You have to stay absolutely glued to him. I think that, I think teams should just be double teaming him whenever possible. Force the ball out of his hands. Make somebody else beat you uh, because that guy's amazing. But it, it it reminded me of like a horror movie where you see somebody like you and and you know you're watching the movie and so you you can see things that they can't see they leave the group they go off wandering by themselves and you're just like no don't he's going to kill you don't do that that's what happens when you leave Keith Langford alone uh so many open threes in the fourth quarter that uh that Jerusalem just did not le- need to give him and and he was able to keep Ike around but an impressive win for Jerusalem uh Dave what did you think about this one
1: My, the the thing i highlighted um, and it was kind of like a question, I guess, Ike, um, scoring problems, question mark. Um, you know, there was the late for third quarter run. It was an 11 run. Um, th- um, Ike was up by 10 and then went, uh, spanning the third and fourth quarter. They went five and a half minutes without a point. And then, um, they only had two free throws in the final four minutes. And, uh, you know, for, for as much scoring power as, you know, Langford gives them, you just, you, you, you know, that's, that's a nine, nine and a half minute stretch, um, you know, spanning the last, you know, spanning the last 15 minutes where they really only hit two free throws. And so this is, I mean, okay. Of course you have to give that to, uh, you know, some of, uh, you know, Jerusalem and and home crowd and everything like that. But um, do you question at all whether or not this, this, this uh, Ike team needs some, some more scoring?
0: I think they'll be OK. I, th- I think they need to uh, play together a little bit more uh, just in, in terms of coming together as a group. Like Kendrick Ray is a guy who can score a lot. He only had four points in this game. I think they just need to kind of continue to build some chemistry, you know, because in, in this game it ended up, uh, you know, it was Langford kind of doing everything. Uh I, I think once they build a little more chemistry, you'll see Ray and Machulis and, and those guys having better performances. And this is also this is also a new
1: coach from, from the from, from last year too. So those eight guys who were here last year um also then have a new system to get used to everything as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think when they're when they're playing a team that's not quite as good as Jerusalem and they're not, you know, in that in that intense road environment i think i think they'll look better offensively uh but yeah I, I hear what you're saying for sure
1: fair enough all
0: right and uh oh last, last note from this game uh is, is it weird that Tamir Blad and Nikos Gikas look Exactly the same. Like they had the same haircut, same beard. It was. I, th- I thought it was kind of weird. Uh, it, it was like watching two twins play against each other.
1: I'll I'll, I'll leave that uncommented upon for myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Elsewhere in this group, Rastafecta with another win, improving to two and zero in the competition. They beat Power Tez ninety to seventy five on the road. San Pablo Burgos beat Anvil one ten to seventy eight. And Telenet Giants Antwerp get their first win of the twenty nineteen-2020 BCL season. They beat Bandirma ninety-three to ninety. Uh Dave, any notes from these other three games?
1: Fechte forcing nineteen pal turnovers, uh, once again shooting more threes than twos. Um, Burgos uh fifty-six to twenty-two on bench poise uh against Anvil, just uh just showing how uh, how impressive that team can be! It was good to see Roten play. I think the label did play as well after getting, those guys both getting injured. Um, and and that um, that uh, that Antwerp-Bandera uh, game was was uh, very entertaining. Um, you know, the uh, seeing Falfe at the end really produce. Uh, they had four guys. Antwerp had four guys scoring fifteen points or more. Uh, it just a uh, you know. I, I didn't really necessarily like them after the first week. And, and you know, this, this, uh, this, they looked a lot better this week. Um, and, you know, Ben Diarma, uh it's a team that's going to be around, you know, they, they, there, that's, uh, I think another one, a little bit of up and down because they have, they rely on those young players. But once those young players who have been around already a little bit, you know, get some more, uh, some more games uh, with these uh, Americans, they'll be that much better
2: with Almeida. It's a pedibender. Almeida in the lane. Almeida for the win.
1: Does not get it? But it's hit back, he's in. And now Aaron Nimberg, they win the game
2: with Hank is here in overtime.
0: All right, moving on to group C, and we have to start this one out with Nimberg beating Gaziantep 74 to 72 in overtime. Woo! What a game! This is a game where Nimberg led by as many as 20 points in the first half, but their offense completely stalled. After that, it went into overtime. Jaromir Boachik, who was ice cold, he was 0-9 for 9 from the field until overtime when he hit a clutch corner three with 12.3 seconds left uh, to give Nimberg the lead. And then Drew Crawford on the other end had a nice drive and, and a two-pointer to tie it up with about five seconds left. But Crawford made a critical mistake on the final play of the game with Almeida from Nimberg driving into the lane. Uh, he, he was well defended by Jamel Higgins, but Crawford came over to try to help out and block the shot. He left your guy Zach Hankins alone at the rim and Hankins got the buzzer beating game winning tip in uh to finish off another great game for him. 14 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks, and the game winning tip. Uh Dave, what, what what were your thoughts on this one?
1: Well, you go back to the end of regulation and and um and uh Nibberk was up by three and um with nineteen seconds left after splitting two free throws. And they had a foul to give, and they didn't foul anybody. And Crawford hits the three to tie the game with two point eight seconds, uh, with five seconds left. And then with two point eight seconds left, Hankins um, misses both free throws um, to actually send the game to overtime. Could have won the game. Um, and then it was really cool to see the 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 redemption of him getting the game winner after he had missed the chance to win the game from the free throw line. Um, and actually that that was a fun battle that whole game uh Hankins and uh, Jamal Haggins uh, from Gaziantep uh, so yeah Crawford was really the only guy on the other end uh Bocek, like you mentioned the huge three the uh, the huge three and uh, the old man Peter Benda uh, a big game with 16 points as well so um, yeah just a, um, a a game where you know guys like Dalton really didn't do too much you know Urban really didn't do much um, and they're able to pull it out, um, you know, and then also, you know, winning after after giving up the lead, um, you know, you have to be happy if you're a Nimbrick fan.
0: Yeah, for sure. Nimberg getting the win when they didn't play quite as well as they could have. 20 turnovers for Nimberg. their coach, will definitely want them to clean that up. A lot of those were just unforced errors also. A lot of traveling calls, things like that. Um, Jamel Hagens, like you mentioned, great performance from him. 13 points, 9 rebounds, 3 steals, 3 blocks going up against Zach Hankins. I, I really liked what he brought The table and then Drew Crawford 20 points, uh, hit some big threes in the fourth quarter and then tied the game, like I mentioned, in overtime before making that uh, that final mistake there at the end. But this Gaziantep team, you know, they're they're a little bit interesting. We'll talk about them uh, in in the overtime segment of this show. The other games in this group, Tenerife beat Mornar 81 to 74 on the road, and Tenerife. Also added some reinforcements midweek. They signed Lao Konate from uh, last year he played at Nanterre in the BCL. He's a really good player, so the rich get richer there in Tenerife. Peristeri, they beat VF Riga V E F Riga 91 to 83. And broza Bomberg lose again 58 to 73 on their home court against Nizhny Novgorod. Um Pretty surprising, I think, for most people who recognize this Bomberg team as a Final Four team from last year. They're now 0-2 in the competition with a couple big losses. Uh, Dave, what did you think about the other games in Group C?
1: I'll, I'll start with uh, Bomberg, and uh, I actually put all caps, UGLY, with two exclamation points, um, 20, 34% on twos, seven points in the second quarter. Um, and just and just eight assists in the game. Uh, also wrote wrote down Bamberg can look bad. Um, you know they've shown already through the first two games, um, that they can really look bad. Um, Tenerifa, Tenerifa, you know they they struggled. I'm gonna, you know, you can say that. You know they were actually you know down by five late in the third quarter and and in the fourth quarter. They needed a set they were down by three and then used a 17-5 run to kind of uh, you know take over the game um, and really it wasn't over till Santi Justa put the, had the putback with 35 seconds to make it a seven-point game um, so you know Bar, okay it's a you know it's it's a loss but maybe it's a you know a mini victory if you will you know beating it you know almost you know playing tough against a good team uh, and and Peristeri, um, you know this is a, the it, it was uh it was a it was a three point game after after three quarters and then Hatcher this was another reason why I thought Hatcher actually probably the biggest reason why I thought Hatcher really deserved to be in that um, in that team of the week. Uh, Paris had a twenty one to two run to start the fourth quarter uh, to take a twenty two point lead and Hatcher had ten of those points. And then and then Fev answered with a 16-0 run with four threes to bring it to six points. And then Hatcher um, hit a three in the uh, uh, right after that run to kind of then uh, get rid of the, you know to stop the comeback. So um, you know Peristeri, you know big victory for them. Uh, and uh, you know again Hatcher, I, I think really kind of deserved to be in there. And what a tough catch by Martin! Then he puts it up. Ah! Goodness! Oh my goodness! He's made it! Was it stone in the end?
0: All right, and group D, a couple very close games in this one. Brindisi beat Bon 76 to 75 in Italy. We mentioned this at the top of the show with Adrian Banks being the MVP, 31 points. But the Heroes. Were, a, I'd say, a combination of uh, Kelvin Martin and Tyler Stone after Martin Breunig made a bucket for uh, Bond to give them a late lead. Looked like he would uh, propel them to victory. Banks, you would think he would be the go-to guy after uh, after dropping 31 points. Bond certainly thought that as well. So Brindisi, they gave the ball to Kelvin Martin. He made a nice little move on the baseline, got the ball up on the rim. Tyler Stone flew in, tipped it in at the buzzer. Brindisi wins by one point. Uh Dave this this was a team that you were really high on before the season. Last week they didn't look so good, but this week uh beating a, a pretty solid bond team by one point. What did you think about this yeah,
1: one? Yeah, if I if I remember correctly, I I I said um are we going to say to ourselves later in the season, do you remember the Sprint Easy team lost to Neptunus in week 1? um and and this is you know i think you know this kind of shows what they what they can do uh what i what i have for this one um and this i'm not going to really say too much cuz it was a really exciting game really just have to go back and just really go back and watch it cuz it's a fun fun game thrilling at the end too as well uh two quarterfinalists you know i you know this team um you know this bond team you know showed on the road you know way down in southern italy uh, new coach um, and everything like that, and uh, you know they really showed that they can uh, that they can play. They have the athleticism. They have you know um, you know guys that play defense and stuff like that. So uh, two quarterfinalists? Question mark.
0: Interesting. Yeah, Bon. They were led by Martin Breunig with 15 points and eight rebounds, but it was a very balanced effort overall. A lot of guys contributed uh, on both ends of the court. And Bon, they beat Zaragoza last week. Uh, so yeah, watch watch out for this bond team. Speaking of Zaragoza, they won a close game on the road in Istanbul, beating Beşiktaş 74 to 72. Zaragoza dominated the paint early, especially Javier Hustiz, uh, who had a, a couple buckets and a big block shot, but he got hurt five minutes into the game with Zaragoza leading 17 to three. And that was a big loss for them because, uh, Halinason and Fran Vasquez were just not nearly as effective and Bezikta were able to get back into the game. Todrick Gotcher hit some big shots. Then Nemanja Juricic, Jordan Theodore, James Michael McAdoo. These guys led the Besiktas comeback. Uh, But DJ Seeley stepped up in the fourth quarter for Zaragoza, he was ice cold in the first three quarters, but in the fourth, he made three three-pointers, and he was fouled on three three-point shots in the fourth quarter, uh, which is the the ultimate sin for a defender. You cannot foul a three-point shooter. Besiktas did it three different times, including with point four seconds left, they fouled Seeley uh with Besiktas leading by one point, fouled Seeley on a three-pointer. He made the first two free throws, missed the third on purpose. Uh, I mean, my my big note, my main kind of takeaway from this game was just really bad execution by both teams in the closing <laughs> moments, and I, I don't really trust either of them uh, in a close game at this point. It's, it's early. It's still only October, so maybe they'll get better. Uh, but th- this one was pretty ugly late. Uh, but Zaragoza get the win on the road, much needed victory for them. Uh, Dave, did you have any notes on this one?
1: Um, I wrote down these exact words: horrible execution in final two minutes. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. You so had there you, you had go. Jordan just...
1: missing the two free throws. You have Batak up by one, and you foul the guy on a three pointers. It's like, oh my god, just horrible. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there were some shot clock violations in there, which yep. is yeah. just inexcusable late in a game. So yeah, u- u- ugly, ugly finish. That's why I led with Brindisi Bond for this group. But Zaragoza get the victory, and elsewhere in this group, Dijon improved to two and zero. They beat Neptunis on the road, eighty nine to seventy five. Another impressive performance from David Holston and that uh, group of very athletic players for Dijon. And Falco Zambate, you mentioned it earlier. Get their first win of the competition, beating Pauk seventy six to sixty six. As Pauk dropped to o and two. Dave, any final notes on this group?
1: Yeah, just congratulations to to, to Falco uh, for getting their first victory in the Basketball Champions League, in their first home game too. So pretty cool.
2: Mister Both, and it looks like we are headed into overtime.
0: All right, so now, Dave, let's go into overtime. Five topics from around the league. First up is Unsung Hero. I'll go first for this one. And I'm going with Happy Jerusalem's Iden Salmonson. He only played eight minutes, but he scored six points, three of three from the field. And it was during a very crucial stretch for Jerusalem in the second half where Ike uh, had kind of taken control of the game were threatening to pull away Salmonson came in hit some big shots uh, for Jerusalem and you know Brymo was on team of the week we mentioned Tayshon Thomas Feldin Brown all of these guys but without Salmonson hitting hitting those shots Jerusalem might not win this game so he he's my pick for unsung hero who do you have
1: um i'm gonna actually it's not unsung really necessarily but none of the attention will go to him because keith hornsby was amazing uh but damian kulig 14 points on six of nine uh, for Tyrone in the win over strasbourg uh 14 points on six of nine shooting seven rebounds five assists two blocks zero turnovers in 29 minutes um, you know, if you, you know, if you watched Poland at the uh, at the Basketball uh, basketball World Cup 2019 in China, uh, obviously, you know, he was a huge part of that, that um, that majestic run to the quarterfinals and and uh, was just unbelievably uh, fantastic, um, uh, really all game and, and also in the big uh, fourth quarter run as well. So Damian Kulik from Toronto.
0: All right. Next up is stat of the week. My stat of the week is 100. San Pablo Burgos, (laughs) after two games, they are averaging 100 points per game. The second closest is Ike at 90, followed by Rastafecta, Torun, and Dijon, who are all at 88, uh, 89, and 89.5 points per game. But San Pablo Burgos, Through the first two weeks of the season, the highest scoring club in the competition with 100 points per game. Dave, what's your stat of the week?
1: I like yours better than mine. I have 69.4, as in 69.4% shooting uh, by Peristeri from two-point range. 25 of 36, um, and that really uh, carried them to the win over Vev. Um, 7 of 24, just 29% from three-point range. So 69.4, man, that's blistering hot.
0: Yeah, for sure. Next up, best performance in a loss. I'm going with Keith Lankford. Uh He's the competition's leading scorer, 27 points again this week, seven of nine from the three-point line. Also had four assists, uh, four turnovers as well, but that's, I think, understandable uh, when you're handling the ball as much as he did. Uh, An honorable mention for me, also from Ike, Howard Santruse played the entire 40 minutes For Ike, he had 18 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 0 turnovers. So a great all-around performance for Saint-Ruiz. We we know he plays great defense as well, uh, but pretty impressive going for the full 40 minutes. So I went with those two together uh, for best performance in a loss. Who do you have, Dave?
1: Yeah, when you came up with this category, I thought, well, how many guys are there going to be? And I looked at the Ike, and I'm like, oh, man, I can't. All right, so those are the... The I quote easy choices, both of them totally deserving. And and uh Saint Rose, I just love Saint Rose, but that was you know people who listen to the show know that from last year as well. I'm gonna go James McAdoo um in the Besiktas uh, against Saragossa, um you know 18 points on eight of 12 shooting, 12 rebounds, four of them offensive, um and um, had a uh, had an assist, a steal, and a block, just one turnover in 31 minutes, and of course. You know, if it's not for Batuk, um, you know, the 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 you know, with the boneheaded foul on on Sealy with zero point four seconds, um, you know, he might have had the winner on the tip in uh with eleven seconds left. So I'm gonna go with James McDo from Besiktas.
0: All right, next category, team that needs a new signing. And uh, I I think there's a lot of options here. Uh, Of course, all of these teams will be looking at the market potentially to make a move over the next few weeks. I went with Gaziantep. Uh, Because this team, I I like what they have. I like the point guard Ogut. Uh, Drew Crawford can get buckets. I like Jamel Higgins, like we were mentioning. But this team desperately needs a score. Right now, they're 29th in the competition in points per game. They're last in three-point percentage at 22.6%. So they really need some scoring help. Uh, But great news, Dave. It's not official yet, but the rumor mill is churning, and it seems like they might be signing Jason Rich. Did you see this?
1: Oh, no, I didn't. Hey, cool. So so that would be exactly— Podcast guest from last season.
0: Yeah, that would be exactly what Gaziantep needs. Uh, Jason Rich, last season, he averaged 14 points per game, shot 47% from the three-point line as he came in as a mid-season signing for another Turkish club, coming in for Besiktas uh, to really help them out. And he was one of the most dangerous scorers in the competition. So if Gaziantep can add him, uh, I I think they've got a pretty intriguing team there. So that's where I went with this. Uh, Who's your team that needs a new signing?
1: Um, actually, I mentioned it last week, so it was pretty easy pickings for me. I'm gonna go with Brindisi, needing a big. Um, you know, they're they mix of guys. I was a little happier with the Italian guys uh, this week than I was f- watching after after watching last week's game. Um, but I, I just I'm just not convinced of their bigs. Uh, Radulovic is definitely, um, you know, in my opinion, not the answer. Um, and uh, you know, the Americans they have aren't. Um, you know they're not really you know uh, center bigs, so um, I think that I think that a, a big is uh, uh in, is needed down in southern Italy.
0: All right, and the last category: a team that is zero and two that could easily be two and zero, and then also the inverse of that: a team that is two and zero that could be zero and two. Uh, Dave, why don't you go first with this
1: one? Um, okay, I'll I'll start with the two and zero, and then you can go with the zero and two. So I'm going to say Manresa uh, would be the team that could be 0-2. You know, we really like this Tyrone team, and they only won by four points uh, against them week one, game day one. Um, and they were only able to beat Elite Cabela's team uh, by six points at home. And, and, you know, I'm not really high on this lead Cabela's team. Um, so to win on the home court by only six points against lead Cabela's, I'm going to say that Manresa Real easily could be two, uh, could be zero two right now. Who do you got?
0: Yeah, so for the zero two team that could be two and zero, I went with Gaziantep again. You know, they they lost this game to Nimbik, uh in overtime on the the buzzer beating putback from Hankins. Uh, this was a game that they definitely could have won despite trailing by twenty points at one point in the game. And last week, they only lost to Peristeri by six points. And that was a game where they had the lead, uh, for a good portion of the game as well. So Gaziantep, uh, I don't think they're quite as bad as that 0 and 2 record would suggest. And if they can get Jason Rich in there, that would be a big help. And another 2 and 0 team that is perhaps a little bit lucky to have their 2 and 0 record is Turk Telecom uh you know they they beat Halone on the road in week 1 uh with a, you know a, a last minute flurry of points from Nick Johnson to to save them there and then this week they were only ahead by 3 points going into the fourth quarter of their game against uh Cesari. uh they ended up winning winning it by 8 um but yeah they're they're another team that you know they could be they could be oh and two if the ball bounced a little bit differently but credit to them for picking up the win late in uh in, in clutch situations
1: my my own two team that I think could be two and0 oh is Bendirma. um you know they lost by four points uh against obviously a loaded Hapo Jerusalem uh and then you know, losing a, a 93 ninety three ninety a shootout with Antwerp, you know, there's a team that could definitely, you know, just you know, real easily be uh, two and zero instead of um instead of two uh instead of the what they are zero uh, and two.
0: All right, so that'll do it for overtime. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with Jean Marc Wema. They talk about Ostend's round two victory over Halone Some of the interesting young guys on that team. Uh, the rise of Belgium basketball in recent years, particularly with the Final Four of the Champions League being hosted in Antwerp last season. Also, some food talk uh, that you're probably not going to get anywhere else. So stay tuned for this interview. Dave and I will catch you on the other side to wrap things up.
1: I we'll turn it over. Rema, transition. jean all the way. Contact. Makes it! Jean-Marc, Remmer. Big basket, and he flexes the guns. All right, so on the show this week we have Jean-Marc Weima from Ostend. Uh, Jean-Marc, thanks for coming on the show this week.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Um, Ostend uh, beat Halon, uh for the first victory of the BCL season for you guys in the in the regular season. Uh, maybe just first start off with how good it feels to uh, have a win under your guys' belt.
2: Um, it was good to get one early. Um, obviously, we lost the first one in in Strasbourg. But um, especially after, after last year, we had a really tough start. I think we went 1-5 and five, uh, to start the season. So um, it was good to get the, the first win uh, at home now. Um, it was a tough game, high-scoring game. Uh, I think a pretty uh, nice game to watch uh, for the fans also. But, uh, yeah, it was a good feeling. Um, the whole team contributed, so uh, it was a good start.
1: You mentioned high scoring. Um, in the uh, first game, uh, you guys only scored 64 points against Strasbourg uh, and then exploded uh, for 101 uh, against Salon. Uh, what would you say was the difference between the two games?
2: um i think it was a little bit the nature of the game because it was just a high scoring game uh, i think we, we both reached almost 30 points in the first quarter uh, this last game and we had, just had a, a way better flow of, of the offense uh, we really struggled um instead of boot, especially in the second half they uh we had a pretty bad shot selection um and the offense just wasn't running very smoothly so um but we started this game with uh, with a lot of confidence and uh, yeah, we just kept rolling the whole game, had a couple of uh, ups and downs, but uh, we're able to to keep control for most of the game.
1: Which which would you say is the more truer uh, Osten team?
2: Uh, I think this last one, yeah, because <laughs> uh, we're a really young team and, and uh, we play with a lot of energy and, and that's really the kind of game that we that we had the uh, day before yesterday. So um, that's the team that we want to be. Um maybe a little better defensively but um no this 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 um high energy team is, is definitely the, the team that we wanna we want show uh
1: you mentioned the youngsters will come to them uh a little bit uh a little bit later um the season is still pretty early obviously how would you rate this uh this ostend team maybe compared to uh to others in the past
2: uh like you said, it's really early. I think it's pretty tough to say um, just because we're this young. Uh, I think the main uh, focus for us is to uh, not to have uh, too many ups and downs um, as well as in games, as well as in, in over over the season. Um, we really need to keep a, a good consistency and not have too many lapses. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to have to... Uh, I have to keep the young guys in uh in order and, and just try to try to keep consistency throughout throughout the season. That's gonna be the most important thing, I think.
1: You're you're a guy who's uh, represented Belgium uh on the uh at the national team level. Um maybe just how good was it for Belgian basketball having the uh two thousand eighteen basketball champions league final four uh in Antwerp
2: uh good i was i was happy for 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 them and then just for for belgian basketball. It shows that we have uh, that we can produce teams that 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 um um have, have an impact on a international level and the european level so um i was happy i was happy uh uh i was i was supportive of it and uh i i hope that we can make some kind of impact as well this season um because I think we're one of the teams that has the, the capacity to do it, and then the, the club supports us in in that. So, um, yeah, I was happy to see it, and I, I hope I hope more more success like that follows.
1: You you're from Antwerp. Um, did you attend the Final Four? And uh, if yeah, uh, what did you think of it?
2: No, I couldn't. Uh, we had uh, we had to play that weekend. We had a league game that weekend, so I couldn't go. Um, but I saw a lot of highlights of the of the games. Talked uh, to some of the players that I know uh, on the Antwerp team. Um, we also had Pierre-Antoine uh, Angelini, who was with the uh, Tenerife in the final four. So, um, uh, but I couldn't go uh, in person, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, um, Antwerp beat you guys in the cup last year. Um, so, how how good was it to uh, for you guys to to then get them? Uh, in the fi- in the Belgian League Finals, um, I guess then about a month or so after the Final Four.
2: Yeah, that that really felt great. Um, keep, keep that streak was, going. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, they snapped our our cup streak, so uh, it was it was a special feeling to to win this one for me um, uh, after my third year uh, here uh, it was definitely the the best the best one until now. Um, maybe also the most hard fought one. Um, so it was, it was great to get them back. We, uh, we were, were lucky to, um, get a couple of reinforcements as well after that cup final, since we, we lost, we had lost our center, um, almost lost our, our shooting guard as well. Uh, so we got, uh, Brian Angola and Siobhan Thompson to, to help us out and they were major pieces, uh, in the end for us. So, um, I'm happy we, we got back to the, the highest level and, uh, and uh, could win the final.
1: Um, take us back to 2016. We mentioned you're from Antwerp. Um, maybe, what was sort of the, the thought process on I'm going from Antwerp to, to Ostend?
2: I'm sorry. What was that? What
1: uh, your thought process of going from Antwerp to Ostend back in 2016?
2: Um, it actually took a while before I signed with uh, with Ostend. Um, I just thought it was time for me to uh, to, to look for something new. Um, uh, even though I didn't come off uh, a great season that year uh, in Antwerp, but uh, I was looking for for something new, and um, I'd already been in touch with uh, Coach Jeff Jab uh, during the summer, but um, the deal only came around in November, so I came to the team pretty late. But um, I was I was happy from the from the first second, and uh, I was I was welcomed uh, very warmly here, and. Um, the transition to the to Austin wasn't wasn't hard at all for me, uh, unfortunately So um, yeah, it, w- it was good. Um, I think they're probably two of the most professional clubs that we have in Belgium. So I was I was uh, privileged to, to to play for both, um, but I've been happy here since I got here. So, what
1: what would you say is the biggest difference between the two clubs?
2: Um, that's tough to say. I think um, Austin has been maybe more used to to um to winning and to, to to more um involvement on the european level uh, although they've uh, Antwerp has obviously really caught up uh, these last few years but um i think just the the, the expectations uh, the bar is always set really high obviously they have a, a very long streak of um of championships so the the bar is set pretty high here and um yeah it's fun fun to try and and, and keep that up
1: how um so it's um eight championships in a row right eight championships uh
2: yes yes yeah yes, this
1: was um how much pressure do does this team feel not not just you know let's say last year and this year how much pressure do do does it does it feel from the fans from management from you know everything you said high expectations are higher how much pressure do you do you sense
2: Um, it's, it's, it's quite a lot of pressure, but, um, for now, maybe this early in the season, the, the, you don't feel it as much, but as the season goes on, um, that'll, that'll become higher, I think. Um, but the pressure is definitely there. You won't, you don't want to be the one that, uh, has their streak snap, obviously. Um, but, um, I think it's, it's a good kind of pressure, uh, we want to be the best, and and so we work hard to to, to get to that goal again. And um, yeah, for just the, the the years that I've been here, everybody has handled that pressure uh, pretty well, and uh, the club has supported us always. So it's been it's been okay. Um,
1: you you mentioned it. You mentioned it already. Um, the the youngsters, and and one of the reasons why I thought you guys might be up and down is because you're uh, you are going to probably rely or you you are rep- relying on um, uh, youngsters who are very talented, but also, you know, this is the first time that they've really had to step up uh, at a higher level. And, and obviously there comes up and downs. Um, I want to ask you about uh, a couple of the guys, you know, obviously uh, Marcela is a, is a name. A lot of people know potential first round pick. Um, it's probably pretty rare for for you know to play with a guy like that, what's it been like playing with a young guy um maybe with his athleticism and his talent
2: uh obviously it's 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 a lot of fun um it brings a, an extra level of athleticism to the team and, and and um that's part of our our playing style now where we can we can run and we can and we can jump but it's uh no obviously it's, it's a lot of fun obviously we need still we'll need to help him a lot in just learning the game and, and learning some fundamentals, but he's 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 a good worker and it's uh, always fun to play with athletic guys. He's got to throw that ball up there. It doesn't have to be trackier. He'll he'll catch that and he'll, he'll throw it down. So, um, But, uh, no, it's been fun. It's been fun.
1: Yeah, and you know that he'll be there to help on defense, too, to, to block some shots.
2: Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He's got a couple of highlights, uh, so... <laughs> for
1: sure. Yeah, I've been privileged to follow him uh, during his Real Madrid youth days at the at the uh European level so it's been pretty fun looking forward to see mm-hmm. what he does for BCL. Um the other guy is uh is um Kev Van der Verst, uh 17-year-old playmaker. You know, he's already played for the Netherlands in the World Cup qualifiers. Um you know, he's already seeing a lot of minutes for you guys. Um you know, you know, as an athletic wing who could block shots, you know, that's kind of one thing where you, you know, you can kind of just let you know let a guy like Amar just sort of do his thing, you know, find you know pick his spots where he can make an impact. Whereas a, a playmaker, obviously, he sets everybody up. You know, maybe talk about uh, Kaya and what he's been able to do.
2: Um, I think he had a, a great start of the season. Um, I'm, I'm really happy that it, uh, that he got off to a good start. Um, um. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised actually that he's been because he's been really consistent too, for these few, first few games. Um, but uh, like you said, he's, he's been really he's really been a good playmaker. He has great passing abilities. He can score also. He's been shooting at a great percentage. Um, yeah, he's been really he's really been holding his own uh, against against uh, experienced guards or stronger guards. Um, Especially on the on the offensive end, um, I've been really happy with uh, with his play, and um, I can see him developing quickly. And um, a certain, uh, obviously, with with uh, Dusan Georgievich uh, approaching the the end of his career, um, I think it's good to have a, a player like him who's kind of uh, ready to take over the reins and and the and, uh, and the floor leading of, of this team. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to help him like we are, like we're uh, trying with uh, all the other young guys as well, but uh, he's done off to a really good start. Uh,
1: we, we asked for we asked BCL fans uh, maybe for some questions uh, on social media, uh, told them that we were going to be interviewing you, these are, these are just uh, some of them. Uh, ben Baz Boz uh, wants to know what's your pregame music?
2: Oh, it differs. It differs. Um, a lot of hip-hop music, um, some African music. Um, so lately, it's been a lot of uh, Burn-A-Boy that I've been listening to. Um, so yeah, something up-tempo, and that, that gets me going, gets me dancing a little bit.
1: Um, Filippo Greco says, who was your childhood basketball
2: idol? Michael Jordan, without a doubt
1: not not much to not much to say about that
2: <laughs> no. um
1: jay Gottschalks, uh, why number
2: 9 um i'm actually not that uh, invested in the number that i i play with um i did want uh I want a new number when i came to this team uh, i played with um with 12 and 8 before I played with 8 on the national team as well that's a number that was um basically just available and I, and I and I like the numbers so um but it honestly it's not that uh, important of a thing for me
1: okay um george San- the toughest opponent you have ever faced
2: Whew. um yeah obviously in, in Champions league we've come across a few very tough teams um I remember when, was it last year or the year before, we got blown out at home by the sick that's really bad.
1: Ah, Um,
2: But yeah, they're always a tough team. Um, Who who else have we had? Um, Played TNF a few years ago, had a really tough time with them as well. So, uh, yeah, we we, we we did have a, a few tough losses over the, over the last three years.
1: Yeah. Um, Nico Heck's question is Who is the funniest teammate?
2: Well, apart from me, um, a <laughs> like, below the radar funny kind of guy is definitely Besan Djordjevic because, <laughs> like, on the court, he, he has uh, almost like a, a, a grumpy vibe, I would say, but he's. It was very sarcastic humor in the locker room that you wouldn't uh, really expect of him um, if you don't know him. But he's a very smart guy. And also uh, Brian Angola is one of, the, one of the team clowns. We really like to uh, bring some uh, atmosphere to, to the locker room, me and him.
1: Cool. Um, last question from the fans. Uh, Nigel Mess that wants to know, favorite thing about the city of Ostend? You've lived there now for a couple of years. Um, so what's, what's your favorite thing about the city?
2: Uh, I like living here and, and, and just the calmness, and uh, also I live right by the beach, which is very, um, just very nice, to, <laughs> very nice place to be. I, I live from from a one minute walk to to the beach, and uh, the calmness and uh, the family vibe that the city has is, is really uh, soothing, and and coming from from a more of a uh, from a downtown um, area, uh, Antwerp. Coming here was uh, it was an adjustment, but uh, I really like the calmness of it and uh, and uh, having the sea close by. Uh,
1: staying off the court, um, maybe tell us a little bit more about where the best of Belgium meets. Beet restaurant in uh, downtown Brussels.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, our restaurant has been open for just over a year and a half, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, like you said, in downtown downtown Brussels. Um, uh, our, my partner uh, who uh, introduced me to the idea is Vincent uh, von and um, someone who was uh, worked in, uh, in the restaurant business for a few years now he was a um, manager for, for another big restaurant before this and he presented me with this opportunity um, either to be just an, an investor but he also gave me the cho- choice to be really involved in the in development of the, of the business and um, um, I caught on pretty pretty quickly because I thought he had a, a great vision and a, and a great idea, so um, I went on board with him and his wife, and um, now we have uh, another friend of ours who who joined the team. So with four of us managing uh, the restaurant, and it's been it's been pretty uh, pretty good. Um, this year has been it's been going pretty good for us, and uh, we have a, a lot of people a lot of people coming back to the restaurant. We have a Pretty general kitchen. There's there's something for everybody, um, and uh, it's allowed us to, to open a, a second business already after uh, after one year, uh, which is hashtag, which is more of a, a burger and brunch spot, uh, also in in the center of Brussels, which is uh, which has been going really good as well. So um, yeah, it was a totally new uh, endeavor for me, but I'm I'm glad my uh, my friend Vincent brought me along uh, for this ride because it's uh, definitely something I'm considering pursuing. Um, we're, we're putting more timing after after my career so um, and now I'm trying to be as involved as I can but uh, it's been really fun
1: um, you know you just mentioned that you know uh, you know we've talked to other other players about uh, you know business things that they have that they're working on you know you have obviously so much basketball you know how much, how much and to what degree are you involved in in uh, you know let's let's call it day-to-day operations you know what 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 sort of duties um do you have um with with the restaurants
2: yeah like i said day, day-to-day is, is 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 pretty uh pretty limited um i can only be like uh, on the floor let's say uh, a couple times a month because it's um it's, it's at least an hour away from Austin and it's, with a lot of games, I can't be driving up and down, uh, too much. Um, coach already tried to, uh, <laughs> limit that, uh, uh, last season. Um, but, um, no, we, we, we just stay in contact. I, I try to have them out with ideas, um, with, with our online presence. Um, but fortunately we have a, a, a really good team, uh, in place there. Um, some great staff, so so I can I can leave them to to do things um, without being concerned, and and I don't have to be too too hands on for the moment, um, which I'm happy about. But I'm I'm just trying to learn ab- about the business and 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 uh, to prepare myself for for the future when I do get a more a more, uh, a more um, expanded role in in the restaurant. Um, but I just try to help out whichever area that I can and, and we have our, our, our bi-weekly meetings where we keep each other up to date and um, yeah, it's, it's not really a specified role but I just try to help wherever I can.
1: Yeah, and and do you have a go-to dish when you go there? Something that you, you really uh-huh. Do you have a go-to dish uh, meal uh,
2: when you go there? Um, actually, we, we came up with um, a new type of burger let's say which is um which used to be called the beet burger but now since we opened that, the second spot is called the, the hashtag burger which is um a burger with uh fried chicken and uh instead of buns we the waf- uh the waffles? Up, uh, yeah exactly the, the, Belgian, the Belgian waffle uh-huh. um and that really caught on very quickly uh which is why we opened the second spot and um that's probably still my favorite thing that we that we serve there
1: Okay. All right. Uh, from one team uh, to the other, uh, come back to basketball. Um, you know, obviously winning number nine, you know, getting cup, cup again um, are the two goals um, domestically. Um, maybe just uh, goals for the club this season in the BCL. Obviously, you guys were so close last year to making it to the playoffs. Uh, we'll maybe talk about your, the, the team's goals for this season.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, obviously, obviously the first one, getting out of that group phase, because um, it's three years in a row that we didn't make it. And like you said, our uh, our countryman, Count uh, all from Mostar Group last year, made a, a shot to force overtime here in the, in the last game of the, of the of the group phase, and then we ended up losing that game, um, and we would have gone through if we if we uh, had won that. Um, but so yeah, um, we need to go off the to a great start so we can get out of this group phase and then that would be a first for the club so that's that's definitely definitely the goal
1: and what do you think the team needs to do Uh, i mean you know probably you know you know make sure that the the youngsters uh you know you know move forward uh you know quicker or 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 make you know fewer mistakes but maybe just in general what you what do you think the team needs to do to, to get that done
2: yeah i think i think we need to just stay healthy and and play with a lot of uh, discipline i think those two things will uh will uh bring us bring us um put us in a position to to try and, and go through um i think there's no lack of of athleticism no lack of energy and, and and intensity uh so we just need to be smart about things and stay disciplined and and not to have too many lapses and games
1: all right, uh, John Mark, uh, Wema. If you want to, uh, um, if you want to go check out his restaurant, it's called Beat, like the music, the beat, uh, B E A T in Brussels. If you want to check out uh, him and the rest of the team, uh, and Ostend, go, go check him out. Uh, uh thanks a lot, uh, Jean-Marc, Mark for coming on the show and uh, appreciate your time.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right, thanks again to Jean-Marc Wema from Ostend for joining us on this week's show. Uh Dave, he you seemed like a pretty, pretty cool guy. Some interesting stuff there, particularly with uh, the restaurant openings and everything. Uh what were some of your takeaways from that interview?
1: Yeah, I think um I think a chicken sandwich with uh Belgian waffles, you know, definitely it sounds it sounds pretty interesting. Um <laughs> uh but uh yeah um you know just uh, it's it, it was cool to kind of get his take on on two really two really pretty good players you know I've been really impressed with uh fun fun uh, De forest um already you know just two games in and you know Uh, Even though a couple of calls going against him, you know, questionable, um, you know, decisions, whatever, you know, kind of kept his head straight and, um, you know, didn't look like a uh, doesn't turn 18 till December, but didn't look like a 17 year old. So uh, thanks to him. And if you're in the area, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Waymo would be happy if if you went and checked out his his restaurant beat or hashtag.
0: Yeah, I will definitely be doing that. I'm a I'm a big chicken and waffles fan. I need I need that sandwich. All right, Dave, let's look ahead to round 3 there are quite a few intriguing games next week some of them that really stand out to me Strasbourg versus Manresa on that first day that should on Tuesday that should be a lot of fun and then Wednesday a battle of 2 and O teams Hapoel Jerusalem against Rastafecta. this is a great test for FECTA on the road in Israel. They've been really impressive so far, but we'll, we'll see, uh, just how for real they actually are, uh, going, uh, up against a great Jerusalem team and a pretty intimidating home court environment. Uh, also on Wednesday, Dijon, the only two and O team in group D playing against Brindisi. That should be a big game in that group as well. Uh, what else are you looking forward to from next
1: week, Dave? Yeah, how about that matchup of David Holson against uh Adrian Banks? That yeah, sounds that fun. Be awesome. Um yeah, Ben Derme, you know, we I we just I just said that they could be 2-0, uh, then they they host Burgos, which is obviously going to be a big test. Bond Besiktas, you know, both uh, you know, both um uh 1 and 1. And then uh you know, I th- I think maybe the, the the best game of the game day is is Tenerife against 2-0 and, uh hosting uh two 2-0 um you know two two teams wait you're know, looking for dominance in that group you know you know take a take a uh, a leg up in the in the in the in the race for first place in that group uh and and the only the other game I'm going to mention is Bomberg, you know um you know they're 0 and 2 and there we have to go to Gaziantep. And if, if Gaziantep is actually able to bring in Jason Rich, all right, Jason Rich probably won't know much of the of the playbook necessarily, but he's, he still has his scoring uh, qualities. This is all – if they get him, whatnot. Um, but it's still a Bumberg team that's still really trying to find itself. And and uh, um, right now it's in the dark. And uh, and they're about, I don't know, five blocks away from the mirror that they can't see themselves in. So they're, they're, they can – this is a big game for them. If they can go on the road and get a victory, kind of start, you know, kind of kickstart their uh, their BCL campaign. This would be a big one to, to to start it with.
0: Yeah, both of those teams zero and two. You do not want to start the season with three straight losses. That puts your playoff hopes in serious jeopardy, uh, especially for a club like Bomberg that has big ambitions in this competition. All right, so that'll do it for this week's podcast. Uh, make sure you check out the official website, championsleague.basketball. Igor Jerkovic has brought back the power rankings. Those There will there'll be a fresh batch of power rankings on Monday. Um, Deacon Lloyd-Smith is working on his closer looks, examining some of the best coaching moves and tactical decisions and things like that from around the league. Also, check out the official Champions League Twitter, Instagram, YouTube for all the highlights and uh, fun stuff from around the league. Thanks again to our guest this week, Jean-Marc Wema from Ostend. Thanks to Dave Hine over in Germany. My name is Austin Green, and this has been BCL Coast to Coast. (laughs)